We are fully back in the driver's seat of season four of the Young Dad Podcast. We are happy and excited to be back with you again today for another week and another awesome show ahead. Today, we welcomed Amanda, the host of Finding Your Village Podcast. Amanda's platform is really cool, very unique, very different from what you're going to think when you hear the title Young Dad Podcast. Amanda's platform, like I said, is really cool. And today with me, she talked about preparing for childbirth, the fourth trimester, parental mental health, and so much more. We were so lucky to have her on the show today to help us continue kicking off season four of the Young Dad Podcast. Ball Boy Media presents the Young Dad Podcast with your hosts, the Young Brothers, Jay and Aaron Young. It's about that time for you to sit on down in your favorite as comfy as chair, grab a juice box, grab a snack, turn those headphones on up high, let's talk. Big, big thank you to our live in-studio audience. Welcome into this week's episode of the Young Dad Podcast. I'm Jay, and with me today is Amanda. Amanda, how are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here with us. It's going to be a little bit different change of pace for kind of what we talk about normally, but I think it'll be really helpful to a lot of dads. So let me go ahead and introduce you a little bit with the limited background information I was able to uh, research and develop about you here. Sure. Uh, first, I want to share what you said, it, what it means to be a parent with the audience. For you, it means getting the opportunity to have a front row seat and watching my children grow and develop into their unique identities. It also means being tired and getting endless lessons in selflessness. Now, a little about you. You're a childbirth education mentor. You're the host of Finding Your Village podcast. You live around Hotlanta, uh, the Big A. Um, you are married with two kids. You're passionate about writing, podcasting, recovery from addiction and trauma, music, racial reconciliation, and childbirth work. That's just upfront. But go ahead and tell myself and the listeners a little bit more about you, your story, and how you got into the world of childbirth education and why you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again for having me. Um, I'm very honored to be here. And I am the mom of two. Um, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old. And I really got into the work that I do right now as a childbirth educator um, by way of becoming a mom. Uh, So I worked a corporate job before having my daughter. And then during my pregnancy with her, became more and more interested in birth. And that fascination did not go away after she was born, nor did it go away after my son was born. And the fascination just grew actually after having both of my children. And I ended up uh, quitting my corporate job during the pandemic and staying home with my kids for a little bit. And during that time, I started the certification process to become a childbirth educator. And um, I got my certification under an organization called Birthing From Within. And I just absolutely love it. And so during that time, I also started my podcast, the Finding Your Village podcast. 
Um, I also started creating content on other social media platforms. Uh, primarily, I spend most of my time on TikTok. And I also work for postpartum support. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Sorry about that. We, we all do. We all spend a lot of our time on TikTok. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I know this is the Young Dad podcast, but I'm an elder millennial myself. And it's funny because a lot of my friends are still not on TikTok. So I don't know, maybe it's just like a couple year age gap, but <laughs> I'm glad I mean, to hear I'm that a, you enjoy your time on it. I'm a nice young millennial. So I'm at the very end of like the yeah. millennial generation like myself. So I'm yeah. like, a lot of my friends are all on it. But then I have some older friends that are kind of like, eh. So kind of just exactly. like the age range there. It's like, yeah, everyone teach their own. You know, we all spend our own time on our own social medias as we do anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's that subtle difference. But um, but yeah, I spend a lot of time doing that. I really honestly love it. Um, and I also work for Postpartum Support International, the Georgia chapter. And so I am not only passionate about birth, postpartum, kind of that transition into parenthood, but also the mental health component of how the transition into parenthood or having a second, third, fourth baby can impact your mental health. And um, I support a lot of families in Georgia in um, any perinatal mood and anxiety disorders that come up. I love it. That's huge. That's huge work out there because it's something that's just not, it's not talked about enough. Um, except when you go Agreed. through it, obviously your your significant other, your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, she's pregnant, she's going through it. Conversations there, but yeah. it's it's very just mentioned. I felt like in the past that it's just mentioned because it has to be mentioned. Yeah. It feels very obligatory. Yeah. I totally agree. And what's interesting is that one in 10 dads also experience postpartum depression. And so that's something that is also not as talked about. And I feel like needs to be said and brought to light to normalize. I learned that recently, actually, I was, I think I was on TikTok, actually. And I think I was just scrolling the For You page. And I saw that and I'm like, that's interesting. I think it was a dad, he was telling a story about like, from his perspective about like miscarriage and infertility and just like the struggles going through that, but from the the man's perspective in the whole situation, which again, isn't really talked about. It's not normalized whatsoever. Um, But then he dropped the fact that, you know, one in 10 men struggle with the postpartum depression. I was like, that's interesting because I have two kids. I was probably that one in 10 for my first one. Second one yeah. had its own set of difficulties because she was only a few months old when her mother and I separated. But yeah, it's it's something I never thought about. I never thought about having postpartum depression as the dad. It's really interesting. Yeah. And I think that uh, that's the norm, unfortunately, that most dads do not think about it, don't consider it even an option. Um, And so for those that do experience it, it can feel very, very lonely and isolating and even confusing, like, wait, what's going on? 100%. I feel like that's just going into fatherhood. The first time fatherhood for a lot of dads is that it's lonely and confusing because you are leaving your whole world behind going into this whole new world, 
you're leaving friends behind, you're leaving colleagues behind, you're leaving parts of your family behind, which of course, naturally you should be leaving parts of your family behind as you go into marriage and into starting your own family, things like that. Naturally, that should happen. That's supposed to happen. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's very scary going into it. And it is very lonely. It is very isolating, especially if you you move into a new area with a young family. Very difficult. Oh, yeah. Very overwhelming. Um, that's what happened to us as we were living in uh, one part of Idaho. I got a job promotion and then we moved to another part where we weren't really close to any family. Like we had made some friends through work, but that was really it. So not having that support system was really hard. And then from there, we go from Idaho, Southeast Idaho, where we're still kind of in range of a lot of our family here in Washington, but not really at the same time to then we're living in Flagstaff, Arizona. So we are away from everybody. Wow. Um, And that's something I really struggled with, like personally, was having very few friends because I was working management jobs and I really didn't like the other managers that I was working with. So I wasn't really creating any friendships there among like my colleagues, but it was a very small group that I could make friends from because everyone else's for lack of a better term, below me in terms of like rank and what's normalized and stuff. And some of that thing, those things like I broke because I'm like, it's, we're outside of work. We're off the clock. It's nothing related to work. We're going to be friends. We're going to hang out. It's fine. Kind of thing. But finding that like, like your pod, your name of your podcast is perfect. Finding your village because you have to find your village. And it's something I feel a lot of men struggle with. Because we just, A, we don't know where to look, and B, men are kind of, other guys are kind of rude and obnoxious and very immature when it comes (laughs) to supporting each other. Oh, yeah. That's something that we hear all the time, especially in the discussion around, like, men struggling with any type of postpartum depression or depression in general, anxiety. Um, Men are notorious for not, you know, reaching out for support. I mean, even women are but men even more so. And so I could absolutely imagine that being the case. So let's take us through that, like for you and, you know, starting at the beginning, preparing for childbirth, from what your knowledge, what is that process like for, for a couple from both kind of both sides? How do you start someone as they prepare for the childbirth? Yeah. So, um, Really, it's to me, it's it's both preparing for birth and for either becoming a parent for the first time or becoming a parent of two kids for the first time or a parent of three kids for the first time, because every time it's new. Um, Mm -hmm. And so really, um, you know, kind of understanding the nuts and bolts of exactly what's going to happen, I think, is a crucial step. Um, But then also checking in, you know emotionally uh, for each person, how they're feeling about it, how they're feeling about the birth process. There can be a lot of fear associated with giving birth. Um, There can also be a lot of questions about what's this going to be like? What do I need to do? Um, It also ushers in the need to find a village, a, a village of doctors Um, of support people to have around you, whether that is friends, family, or people that you hire, like a doula, for example. And so 
um, just education of what your options are, understanding what for the birthing person, for the woman, what she's going to go through. That's important. But then also for the dad, for the partner to understand what she's going to go through, I think is helpful um, so that everybody can be on the same page. And um, for dad specifically, feedback that I hear a lot is this feeling of um, feeling helpless, seeing your partner in pain, seeing your partner uncomfortable during pregnancy, um, and not being able to do anything to help them, to take away their pain, to make it better. That's feedback that I hear from dads a lot. So um, in preparation for birth, uh, for a woman, um, I have a lot of, you know, like breathing techniques and um, things, you know, pain coping skills and tools that she can use to really help her get through contractions or scary moments of birth or those moments during birth where you really don't know what's next. Um, so if like the birth is going along and then something happens, like if the baby's heart rate decelerates and then the next best op medical option is to have a cesarean birth, that can be, um, it might not be physically painful for her because she at that point likely has an epidural or a spinal block, but it can be scary. Um, she can feel it in her body, just that fear of, you know, that sinking feeling when your body kind of goes cold and you have like a pit in your stomach. Um, those physiological things can come up for someone who is having, you know, a changed birth or is about to have a surgical birth. Um, and then for, but for dads, it can be um, a lot of preparation around not necessarily pain coping because they're probably not going to be in pain, um, but it can be similar coping skills around fear, around not knowing what to do next, um, you know, figuring out what exactly do you do when you don't know what to do and just, you know, figuring out how to sit in that space of not knowing, of being uncomfortable, of being worried, um, of being, you know, scared about what's going to happen for your partner or your baby. And so a lot of it has to do with physiological preparation, as well as emotional preparation and mental preparation as well. Um, and so in birthing from within, something that we do that a lot of couples do not expect, um, nor do they really understand it right away, the, the necessity for it is birth art. And so in some of our birth classes, we will actually have people draw or use pastels or you know, markers and kind of do exercises with drawing things. And a lot of people, especially the male partners in the class will kind of wonder like why we're wasting time <laughs> doing art uh, when yeah. we're really supposed to be talking about birth and having a baby. And the whole idea behind doing birth art as preparation for giving birth and welcoming a new baby is when you have a blank canvas standing sitting in front of you or a blank piece of paper, then you get faced with the unknown of like, I don't know, what am I going to draw? Or like, what is she going to ask me to draw? And you just have this blank canvas. And so that gives your brain an opportunity to kind of practice like, okay, this is what I do when I'm not exactly sure what to do. And for a lot of people, that are not artists all, you know, regularly in their day job, 
this is something that they're not used to doing. And so then it also gets your brain and body used to, or some practice in, in doing something you don't do every day, like giving birth. Um, another cool thing that the reason why, another cool reason why we do this is because um, in everyday job functions and a lot of like, you know, thought processes you have, you're using a lot of the left hand side of your brain, the analytical side of your brain. And in birth, that part of your brain doesn't get used quite as much. It's more the right side of your brain comes online a little bit more. Um, also the reptilian part of your brain, the back bottom portion of your brain, that's online more, the front neocortex part um, at the top near your forehead, that's offline a little bit. When you are participating in drawing or a creative process, you're using more of the right side of your brain and you're using more of that reptilian brain as well. Um, and so that's another reason why we do that. So it, that's just kind of a fun fact about birthing from within that I like to share with people because that's something that catches people off guard. And I would say 99 times out of 100, after we do that exercise, people are like, that was actually really cool. Or I didn't think it was going to be like that, but I'm glad I did it. So that's just another fun thing we do. Those are always fun. I, I kind of knew where you're going. I work in mental and behavioral health myself. So art therapy is something that's very, very powerful with Ooh. working with kids, especially because it, it really helps us kind of yeah. see like how kids are thinking. And I do it a lot of times. I try to incorporate some kind of art or drawing into working with like the parents and the caregivers as well to also kind of help them shut off some part of their brain where they're just trying to analyze all these behaviors, analyze their children, analyze the youth that they're yeah. taking care of and help them kind of see it differently to help them understand like, Hey, this is, this is kind of what they're going through to kind of create that empathy and as empathy through experience is what, um, we call it yeah. in the parenting group that I lead at work as well. Uh, once a week that I uh, facilitate and, you know, it, that's really the whole goal of it is to create the empathy, th empathy through experience. Um, and I think that's mm. so important. The birthing, the birthing classes you mentioned there, where they're doing these things together and the men are kind of like, Oh, is this over yet? Is this done? That was kind of my first reaction to hearing it. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I don't think I ever we ever did anything like that for our for my two children um while we were yeah. pregnant with them was we don't we didn't do any class or anything we kind of just took it on and just went with it we were super young I mean I was 20 going on 21 um and she was mm. uh, what year was it 16 she was 19 going on 20 uh, so she was 19 when she gave birth mm -hmm. to our, our first one, first one. And so we we're, we're super young, super young, very raw, didn't kind of know what to do with anything living in Idaho. So it's a very different landscape, but you know, I honestly wish I would have known some of these things because it would, the process was sure. overwhelming. Like I just remember how overwhelming it was to the point where like I had to leave the room a couple of times because it was just mm. too much. It was too overwhelming. Yeah. Um, the first time, the second time I felt like a champ. I was a little bit older. It was 2020. So, you know, I knew what I was doing a little bit more like, okay, pack the bag, grab my laptop, grab my comfy clothes, Yeah. you know, get ready, buckle in for the long haul, things like that. You know, yeah. calm, cool, collected that second one. It's a lot easier, but now kind of, totally where I'm transitioning into 
is with a with a new partner um with my girlfriend now kind of talking about that in the future and it, honestly it really it makes yeah. me like super nervous because it's like going from my two kids that are full sisters and then adding in a third that's going to be a half sibling that I'm going to see a hundred percent of the time versus seeing two that I see half the mm. time like just that whole dynamic is very interesting uh yeah and just really weird to think about granted we're not anywhere close to that right now we're probably still a couple years out but at the same time it's still kind of there like what is that going to look like how is that going to change things um and how do I prepare for that absolutely that makes complete sense yeah and I also want to say like you know you mentioned you wish you had prepared a little more or known a little bit more before and I truly believe that nothing can actually prepare you fully for the birth of a child. Um, but given the fact that I am a childbirth educator, mm-hmm. I think that some preparation can be helpful and it can just kind of alleviate a little bit of the stress and potentially even fear if that's up and going. Um, but but truly, like no matter how anyone prepares for the arrival of a new child, like that's just your journey and it's okay. It's totally fine. hundred percent. So, you know, through that process, the three trimesters of preparing for a child, doing all the things, you know, the average person gets the room ready, buys all the things, gets all the things, baby shower, yeah. dinner reveal, all that fun stuff, all the fun stuff. Cause all that stuff is super fun. It's the stuff that you look yeah. back on and you remember as a parent, like, what you did and things like that yeah but that fourth trimester which is a lot of what you or not a lot but some of what you talk about mm-hmm. yeah and going to that fourth trimester which I never thought of it that way but kind of take us through that fourth trimester and why you talk about that um at length yeah so um and just to give a quick definition so a lot of people will refer to it as the fourth trimester And that came from um, the work of several pediatricians where they basically said um, a baby is one of um, few mammals that is born before their brain is fully developed and ready to be kind of functioning on the outside. Um, So if you think of us in terms of animals and, you know, uh, like a horse is born and then they walk the next day or their first day of life, um, human babies are not as developed. They're definitely not ready to walk right when they're born. Um, but in order for the head to fit through the, you know, female body, uh, the baby needs to be born around 40 weeks of gestation, um, on average. And so there is this concept of the fourth trimester adding on to the first, second, and third of gestation of pregnancy, um, that a baby is outside the womb, but really they are not fully developed enough to fully function. And so they are extremely dependent on their parents and also the comfort measures that will help most for a baby outside the womb are going to mimic things that they were used to in the womb and so this idea of the fourth trimester really talks specifically about a baby their physiology their needs um, how to kind of soothe them so that it's like mimicking um the womb. And so anybody that, that is interested, look up Dr. Harvey Karp, look up the five S's and you'll find out more about 
the, uh, the fourth trimester as it relates to babies. Now, as it relates to parents, the reason why I talk about the fourth trimester so much is because it is the most forgotten part of preparation for having a baby, in my opinion. A lot of the emphasis gets put on a newborn. You have bringing home baby classes, newborn CPR classes, taking care of a newborn class. Then you have all these birth classes and all of that is super important. But taking care of yourself as a parent, mom or dad, is also equally as important because you're transitioning from being a, just a, a person, just a regular person in life, if it's your first baby, mm-hmm. um, to then being a parent, like in an instant, as soon as that baby comes out, it's like, bam, you're a parent. And that's a big life transition, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of it changes and impacts your life. And so I put a lot of emphasis on the postpartum period in my work um, I refer to it as the fourth trimester postpartum period, um, just because like po- the word postpartum often is associated with postpartum depression, but truly it means the period after giving birth. Um, and so I put a lot of focus on it because it impacts parents so much. And I just don't think it's talked about enough specifically, um, in relation to how a parent changes, copes, what they need. And I, in my business of finding your village, talk about this idea of building a village, finding a village to support yourself so that people around you can support and take care of you while you support and take care of your baby. I love that. I love that. That's so important. So with this fourth trimester kind of preparing for that transition into parenthood period, with most of the people you work with, what's like the average amount of like kids they have, like children that they're having? Yeah. Um, I usually work with um, first time parents or second time parents, usually Mm -hmm. by the third or fourth and so on. Parents aren't feeling the need to prepare quite as much because they've been there (laughs) several times. Um, And so that's my average, you know, parent is either zero kids about to have one or one about to have two. I love it. And so for that, for the parents, let's talk about both of those um, a little bit. Going from that zero to one, what's that fourth trimester, that postpartum period, that transition to parenthood? What is that kind of, what does that look like? Kind of just, it's going to look different for absolutely everyone, but generally what are the commonalities? Sure. And, you know, I would even say it looks similar for both sets of parents, either going from zero to one child or one to two. There's a lot of the same stuff going on. Um, the, the added difference would be going from one to two children is, of course, caring for your first child, whether they're a toddler, preschooler, older child. Um, but everything else is, is pretty similar. And so what it looks like is getting ready to obviously give birth and take care of a newborn. So understanding a newborn, what they need, how to take care of them. Um, Then for yourself, for the person giving birth, how to care for themselves postpartum, Um, whether it's a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth, it takes a very big toll on the body. Just pregnancy alone takes a huge toll on the body. And so recovering from birth and pregnancy, um, it just requires a lot of time. And so, I mean, it is a full-time job just to care for um, your physical body after birth and then to take care of a baby. It is a full-time job. Um, I also like to put um, 
the postpartum preparation kind of to-do list into a framework that I came up with a, um, a acronym for. And so it just helps to think about all the components to consider. And so I call it the LEAP method or preparation concept. Um, and so I like to think of it in these four different components. So L is for learning. So that's really like learning, like how do you change a diaper? How much does a newborn need to eat? Uh, how do you take care of yourself after having a C-section? Or what are the, you know, red flags or warning signs to look out for for a mom having an infection or something going on where they need to, you know, seek medical care. So a lot of learning. And that is a big emphasis that like our mainstream society kind of focuses on the L and the P in this um, methodology that I've kind of put together. And so uh, you want to learn about how to be a parent, how to take care of a child, how to take care of yourself. So then the E stands for emotional awareness. And so this is one of the more forgotten pieces. Um, and um, as a mental health, as someone who works in the mental health space, um, I'm sure you can appreciate the importance and significance of this. And so this has to do with not only if someone's experiencing, yeah, so not only if someone's experiencing postpartum depression or any type of perinatal, perinatal mental health um, disorder, but just in general, I mean, you don't have to have postpartum depression to feel a way about not getting enough sleep. I mean, if anybody doesn't get enough sleep, they're not going to be their normal selves. They might be a little more emotional. They might have some more mood swings. And then just from a physiological perspective, um, the mom is going to go through a roller coaster of hormones. And so that is going to impact her emotional well-being and overall health, whether it turns into a full-fledged perinatal mood and anxiety disorder or not, it's going to be an impact. Um, and so I try to help, you know, bring awareness to the getting emotionally prepared. And honestly, one of the biggest things that folks can do to prepare for this emotional piece is simply just being aware, being aware that emotions are going to run high, that mood swings are normal. Um, and then also just being aware of signs and symptoms of postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety um, and just the the general um, postpartum mood and or perinatal mood and anxiety disorders that are out there. Um, my The A in LEAP stands for admin. So this is the most forgotten piece and this is the less the least sexy of all of them. So this is like, I have to get a pediatrician before I have a baby because like two days after they're born, they're going to have to go see a doctor. So like, oh yeah, I need to do that. Who am I going to see? Who's in my, you know, insurance plan? Are they nearby? Like just these things that really don't get talked about or something really boring. Like my baby is going to be on included in my insurance for the first 30 days after birth in the United States. Um, but after that, they need to you know, be added to the plan officially. And so then you have to go through usually your HR company or at your company um, to deal with that. So like lots of admin stuff or making doctor's appointments for yourself, um, even like meal prepping and like making like frozen casseroles mm -hmm. for yourself. This can all be part of that admin prep yeah. that really, really gets ignored. And if someone, um, and this is actually where dads really can help out to kind of oh, focus sure. on like, what are the admin stuff that I can take off the plate 
right? Because I can't do the physical work of giving birth or recovering from birth or breastfeeding. Um, but they can absolutely take a lot of the admin stuff off the plate, like making the doctor's appointments, calling insurance. Um, mm-hmm. if a mom is, you know, gonna, gonna go back to work, there's a whole aspect of like, um, FMLA in the United States and taking, uh, parental leave and stuff like that. So that's the one that's the most forgotten. And then the P stands for products. So this is the one that is, like you said, that's the fun stuff. The baby shower, the buying the adorable baby onesies and the baby blankets. And that's like the grandma stuff that grandma will shower you with gifts. Um, but it's an important component and it's talked about a lot, but I like to include it in this overall summary of like, here are the four categories categories that you can kind of keep in mind to think about of like before baby comes. Okay. Do I have all the baby gear? Do I have the products? Have I made all the doctor's appointments? Like I'm aware that moods are going to be there. And then have I learned how to take care of myself and a baby? So. hundred percent. And I think how you mentioned that's the biggest part where a dad can be there is of course, learning if you don't know kind of what you're getting into, if you're new to it, if you're transitioning from one to two, if you're going from having a girl to a boy, or if you're going from having yeah. zero to one or whatever it is, or whatever that dynamic looks like, one thing I would recommend is 100% do some research about how having a baby is going to affect you physio- physiologically. Because for men, your testosterone is going to drop if you have a daughter. Like just naturally, when you have a daughter, your testosterone drops. Um, yeah, I want to say it's like 30% just naturally just drops because your body goes through a physiological change. Um, so learn about how your body's going to change, learn these things about yourself early in the process. So you know where you're going to have to work on yourself going postpartum into that fourth trimester, learn, okay, we, I need to do this to take care of myself to make sure I'm staying up on it, to make sure that I'm the best, you know, in all these aspects, you know, the emotional prep, do your emotional preparation as well, man. Like it's so like, don't just let your wife or your partner, significant other, don't let her just do it all because she has to do her own emotional prep. And it's not fair to her to do the emotional prep for both of you in this situation, because you have to do yours because there's going to be a lot of feelings. There's going to be a lot of emotions. You're going to have to start cutting ties. You're going to have to start saying goodbye to some people you're going to have to reassess your priorities and kind of what life looks like going forward. And you have to prepare for that emotionally because some of those things you are going to have to grieve if they were a big part of your life. Maybe it's not playing as many video games. Maybe it's not going on playing as much golf. Maybe it's not hanging out with your guy friends as much. You know, there's going to be some grief through this process of that emotional preparation that I just don't think yeah. it's about with men enough. And then of course you mentioned the admin process. That's, a lot of that is likely going to need to be you likely be the dad because typically the dad's working has the insurance plan carries it not always but if both parents are working definitely make those calls together or get the information from her so you can make that call and figure out which one's going to be best most affordable is it going to be best to combine into one insurance combine into separate put the baby on both insurances or what's that process going to look like? Make those appointments, find the pediatricians, make those calls, do all the things, you know, meal prep, plan, grocery shop, you know, man, take on a lot more of that work because that baby's not going to want to leave her at all. She has 
She has the food. She has the heartbeat yeah. that it's used to. She has all the things that the baby's used to, you know, that environment. She is that environment. The smell, the sounds, everything. She's, the baby's used to that. So you're going to have to be the admin. If she's doing the grocery shopping over the next nine months, you better start learning the grocery shopping list. You better start learning the grocery store, learning where all the things are that she goes and does for the home and so that you can also do them, which is why it's vital going into all of it that it is an equal partnership to where it's not just one person doing it all. Men, you know, like, okay, I can go to the grocery store confidently, come home and not get yelled at kind of thing. <laughs> I got the wrong thing. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? Like, know oh, yeah. these things about your home, know these things about your families, know these things in general. Um, and I'm, you know, very lucky that I was able to kind of know these things about my home going into becoming a single parent to where I didn't fear going to the grocery store. I didn't fear taking care of the kids on my own or anything like that. Was it hard at times? Yeah, because I was raising a four-month-old on my own when my yeah. last one, when she was four months old, I was working overnights and I wasn't home for a lot of the challenges and a lot of things. But now I have two that I'm fully responsible for and it's just me and I'm taking care of a baby. Very kind of crazy changes there, but know, know your yeah. home. It's like just like you would know your business at work. You know your business, your home. You should also know inside and out. You should know the food. You should know the routines. You should know the schedule. You should know when all the doctor's appointments are. Because even now for me, like I still do a lot of that admin stuff. Like I keep track of the appointments. I know when the next doctor appointment is for the next kid coming up. You know, I take them to those appointments still. Mostly because I really enjoy taking them to the doctor's appointment personally. But, you know, it's just a way that I know I'm going to be involved. Um. And trust me, I get some looks when I go to the doctors because it's like, why is dad here? It's like, does mom know, you know, this and stuff? It's like, oh, I know, I know everything, but I've legit been asked like at the doctor, is there any concerns that you have or do you need to call mom to see if there's any concerns that she has? I'm yeah. like, no, I know. I, I know what's mm. going on with my kids. <laughs> trust me, I got it. Um, um, yeah. So it's, super and it's sad that that's not the norm. Um, but like, I mean, whether you're a single dad or you're married to your partner or committed in a committed relationship with your partner, like, yeah, that needs to be norm more normalized. And so I'm glad that you're representing in that way. Um, and it needs to be not only more normalized for the dads to step up and know that, but it needs to be more normalized in like the pediatrician offices to not say stuff like that and just 100%. be like, cool, this is a parent. <laughs> I agree because yeah. it's 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 frustrating and I get the looks at the grocery store when I'm with yeah. the two kids like I've gotten so many comments like oh you got the short end of the stick today getting both kids or you got stuck with them today or <laughs> like <sighs> I think it's stuck with anything like you know I got a yeah. grocery shop at some point this is the yeah. best Saturday so morning with two kids I mean I had to go and pick them up anyway. Yeah. So while I'm out, might as well go and get multiple things done. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, the, and of course the P for products, that's all the fun stuff. That's, that's the fun stuff that you yeah. get to do. Um, one thing that I would recommend for just the dads out there, if they're able to, and if you're fortunate enough, um, and it's your first kid or whatever situation might be, build something for the baby with your dad. I don't know if that's ever been like a mainstream piece of advice or anything or anything that anyone's like really ever talked about, but build something for the baby with your dad. 
Um, and I say this because my dad bought the crib that I use for both my daughters. Um, and so I still have that crib, obviously, but he was there. He bought it. We went, we went home, we set it up in the nursery and um, we got mad at each other. We laughed because we put it on backwards. It's like, <laughs> but now every time I look at that crib or I take it apart or I last couple of times when I took it apart or put it together or anything like that, like it was just a memory. Like I built this with yeah. my dad and he built it for his grandchildren, but I was building it for my kids. And it's very symbolic of like that passing the torch, you know, it's so definitely guys, if you're able to, and you're fortunate enough, build the crib, the bassinet, put something together for the baby with your dad. It'll be worth it. Just trust me. Just trust me. Even if you're going from one to two and you didn't do it the first time and you're hearing this, like build something for the baby together, work on something, paint something, create something, do something with your hands, make that memory with him to make him feel more involved being a grandpa. Cause I think it was that moment building that crib with him that, you know, he, really came around to being a grandpa and it kind of sank in for him because it can be definitely a change for you know your your parents as well going to this transition and this phase as well for them to being grandparents yeah yeah I think that's a great point and I really like that um that tidbit that piece of advice I think that is really special that's cool yeah, and it can be the same for, for moms and their moms. Of course, women are a little bit more limited when they're pregnant, yeah. but, um, you know, do those things with, like, the people who raised you that it's going to be really special for them to be involved in that with you. So do the things that – do those things with the products that the people you're closest with, that it's going to be the most meaningful and most special to for them, for your kid, for you especially, that you're going to want that memory with. Um, that you're going to want to hold on to. Yeah, I love it. That's great advice. And so just the last part of it here, um, the mental health for the parents, which is, yeah. like we mentioned in the beginning, I feel like it's kind of an obligatory kind of, hey, if, you, if you're struggling with this, you know, go and see someone or bring it up to your, your OB, bring it up to your midwife kind of thing but it's not mentioned for dad to really bring it up at all. It's kind of just, you know, it's about the yeah. woman. It's about, cause she's going to go through a lot of things. Like her hormones are all out of whack. They're all over the place. Um, they have been for the next nine months. They probably will be for the next nine months after that. You know, it's a process yeah. to regulate those and get all those back under control for her. But what's that conversation like for you toward both parents around you know, yeah. the mental and emotional health for themselves. So it's being aware. So the education piece, being aware of what are the signs and symptoms um, for both partners. And then it's important for the dad to learn signs and symptoms for both partners, for himself, um, to be aware that it is possible for men to develop postpartum depression, because that's usually a shock to people. Um, so then to know, okay, what are the symptoms if that were to happen, which it's you know, only a 10% chance, but still it's good to know. And then um, for their partner, it's also important for them to know the signs and symptoms because usually it is the partner that notices that mom's 
mood is different, that her behavior is different. Before she notices, before her friends and families and coworkers notice, it is often the dad that notices. So, um, so your role with mental health for both mom and dad is actually really critical. So I would say, um, learn the symptoms, signs and symptoms of, um, and it's not just postpartum depression. Now it's postpartum depression. It's postpartum anxiety. There's even postpartum OCD. Um, there's postpartum bipolar, there's even postpartum psychosis. And so all that I mentioned kind of go in order from most prevalent to least prevalent. Um, but I, of course, am going to bring up postpartum support international, as a resource. So you can just Google them or go to postpartum.net. And there are a ton of resources about here's like a quick, you know, one pager, a a graphic on signs and symptoms on, uh, we call them PMADs, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. Um, And so, you know, you could download that, print it out, put it somewhere, you know, in your office or something, just have it available so you can refer to later. A lot of OBGYN offices will provide information on that as well. Um, And so it's something that you may come across, but just, you know, taking the initiative to just kind of be familiar with the concept and also what the signs are. Um, And then also know that there are support groups available for men. Some men's groups don't even call it support groups because even calling it a support group is often taboo in the community. And so just to know that there are men's groups, men's, um, you know, chatting groups, men's online virtual groups, whatever the name is, um, a place for dads to hang out, new dads or dads of newborns and uh, infants, that they exist. A lot of them are virtual. Um, That is one of the silver linings of the pandemic that we went through is that there are now a ton of online support groups available for all walks of life, for anything that could come up in life. Um, and so uh, Postpartum Support International does offer, does offer men's groups. Um, so for men that are either struggling themselves with their mental health after having a baby, um, or for men that are supporting a partner that is having some type of a mental health struggle. So those do um, exist. They are free. They are widely available. They usually meet online. And so you don't even have to leave your house. You don't even have to tell anybody that you know Mm -hmm. that you're part of this group. Um, but I also would say that if you are okay with it, if you are comfortable with it, talking about it is really important, especially Mm -hmm. with, um, you know, those that are close to you. Whether that be your partner or not, you can make your own judgment call. If they're also struggling, if your partner's also struggling with mental health, that might not be as much of an option. Um, but I know that another thing that come up that can come up is for for men that have partners that have postpartum depression or another type of anxiety disorder. Um, a thing that comes up is that they there's a grieving process in that because they've lost their buddy, they've lost their ta- their talking buddy um, mm-hmm. because most men will share a lot of their, you know, emotional stuff that comes up with their partner, that's their safe person. And so Mm -hmm. if she's not available, because she is struggling, um, mentally, emotionally, physically, then that can usher in a need to grieve. And so if that does happen, just know that it is normal, it's okay to grieve that. And that can also be a reason to, you know, talk it out with, a support group who's totally open and available to talk about this stuff, even if your friends are not. 
But if you are okay with it, I would encourage you to, you know, try reaching out to your friends because you may be surprised that they are like hungry for that conversation. They want to talk about that. It's just not normalized in our society, sadly. Um, But I would encourage you to do that, to take that leap of faith um, and and just try and, and broach the topic. I could not agree more with 100% of that. However, I do want to give one caveat to finding your online support groups is to stay off of Facebook for the most part. Mm. There's so many on yeah. Facebook, but at the same time, they are toxic. <laughs> I'm a few, I'm part of a few yeah. like dad groups on Facebook. Um, I know that the Bluey Dad group is a really, really good one. The Bluey Dads one is a great <laughs> one. I can 100% say that because um, we're all trying to be like Bluey's dad. Um, that's our <laughs> kind of our role model there. I'm personally trying to be like Bob from Bob's Burgers. That's kind of my um, dad I want to be <laughs> like. But regardless, be very careful where you find those groups because a lot of them are still filled with toxic masculinity, homophobia, lack of support, a lot of razzing, a lot of crap talking on the mom or partners or significant others. There's a lot of partner shaming out there, a lot of partner shaming. And it goes both ways. It goes women to men and men to women. It's very common on both sides. There's not more one than the other. Um, You know, I feel like TikTok kind of exaggerates it when it goes from women to men and kind of normalizes it, the partner shaming, which is kind of hard to see on like a, on TikTok because it's definitely there and yeah men kind of take to these groups to kind of do the same thing but um, of course I'm part of a lot of different yeah. ones I'm part of single dads and dads or daughters and um, excuse me like divorced dads and things like that so that environment's very natural but it's also very not supportive for when a guy yeah. speaks up and they have an issue to where like it was Pride Month last month. This is a quick example. It was Pride Month. And one of the dads in one of the groups was, you know, this is where I feel safest to say it. I've made some friends here, but I want to come out as bi. And he just got dragged in the comments yes. for wow. his the openness with his sexuality. Yes. Just completely dragged. Yeah. And it was so hard to see just these men just like, why are we in this group if we're just going to drag each other? We're not going to talk. Not everyone Agreed. wants to talk crap on their ex all day. Not everyone wants to just complain and be upset about what what was versus what could be and have just a lot of pessimism. Some people do want to celebrate these things. And every time anything positive is posted, it just gets dragged. Like, oh, I'm in a new relationship. <laughs> oh, it's not going to last very long, buddy. Don't get, don't get too comfortable. Everything ends kind of thing. And mm. It's just like, whoa, like, let's pump the, let's pump the hate brakes yeah. here and let's like be supportive, you know. Because this is exactly why men struggle. This is why this is exactly why Caucasian men in our country are the at the highest risk for suicide between ages like forty and fifty-five. You know, mm. like this is why yeah. because we can't support each other. We can't just put our feelings to the side. We can't get over ourselves enough to to move on, to move forward, and to be happy for someone else. It's so hard for us as men to be happy for someone else. And like you said, you would be surprised about how many of your friends want to be there for you, that they genuinely want to support you and care about you. They don't want just the gossip. Of course, everyone needs a little bit of context 
so they can have some empathy or sympathy for you for what you're going through situationally. Hence why you do need to share, you know, certain details and different things, but you can't just expect someone to support you if they don't know how to support you. If you're not saying what you need, if you're not communicating those needs. And so reach out, ask for that support. Like you mentioned, you know, find a group. I definitely think going through like a postpartum.net or going through the postpartum support international, going through these bigger things to where they can vet all these groups or they can, you know, have good recommendations. I would also recommend, you know, trying to find like a dad's move group. Um, Those are very much all across the nation. Dad's move is a great organization. Um, You know, find the network of dad podcasters on Instagram. If you look at my Instagram, you'll see a hundred different guys who are all dad podcasters or some sort of, you know, social media when it's come to talking about dads, we're all out there and we're all here to, to help you and support you to be there for each other. That's all we want at the end of the day is we want to be there for our brothers so that our brothers aren't dying because of the suicide rate of men to women in our country is four to one. It's crazy how often men die by suicide versus women in our country. Um, When over 95% of the population thinks that it can be prevented. And that is such a good point. And it reminded me that um, not only are these support groups super helpful, but talking to a professional that will keep your information private is also Mm -hmm. extremely helpful. So talking to a therapist, there's so many ways to find a therapist and a lot of them, you don't even have to go in person if you don't want to, you can Mm -hmm. do it virtually. Um, Psychology Today is actually a fantastic resource where you can filter by people, kind of get an idea of who they are, what they specialize in, what they look like, you know, what's their background, what's their cultural, racial, ethnic background. Um, And if they take your insurance, they also filter by insurance. Um, So that's a great resource. Um, There's also one for um, if you're having limited um, uh, funds and if you're, you know, low on finances or in between jobs, it's Open Path Collective um, is a way that you can find a, um, a therapist that will provide therapy on a sliding scale um, and for like a set fee so that it doesn't get, you know, ridiculously expensive. So I would be remiss if I didn't mention actually talking to a professional therapist um, because that can be so helpful and it doesn't have to be something you do forever. But when you're, you know, going through a season of life that's hard and you, or you're not really sure what a safe space is to reach out to, like you mentioned the Facebook groups, I definitely noticed I didn't mention that because I agree with you. It is toxic. It is not um, something that I would highly recommend. Um, And, you know, social media can be good for kind of the education or like even bringing a little bit of levity, not making fun of, but bringing levity to the fact that like, oh, dang, parenting is just hard. Becoming a new parent is hard. Social media can be good for that, but I agree with you. Finding it's that parasocial relationship is not as good as the real thing that you can find in within your own friend group, family, or um, a support network, or even with um, a professional to support you. But I totally agree. Find find that support and reach out, and don't be afraid to try. And if you don't get a good feeling about whatever it is, the friend you're confiding in, the support group you go to, the therapist that you met with, move on. There are multiple out there. And so just keep trying. 100%. And as a professional that works in this field, 
don't feel bad for your therapist if it's not a good fit. We get it. We, you know, it's not going to hurt our feelings whatsoever. Not that we don't care and want to help you and support you, but we're a paid professional and we're going to get paid to help the next person. You know, granted, we're going to make that connection with you within the therapeutic environment, within the therapeutic relationship and do our part there in that way that we are legally obligated to. But at the same time, like we have a job, we're being paid to do a job. Just like you're paid to do your job. It's not going to hurt our feelings if you feel like we're not a good fit. So please find your good fit. I would also mention betterhelp.com in this. I've had some personal great experience with betterhelp.com to where my filters and what I needed for a therapist gave me two options. I pared it down to two, wow. two options, ultimately went with one out of the two. But that's all that there was because I put in such specific filters for what I wanted and how I wanted to process things. And it took BetterHelp about, oh, I don't know, it took them probably about three, four days to f- match me with a couple therapists um when i was using that service so again they're not a sponsor but betterhelp.com fantastic another really good app um just for like peer support for where you need it it's called the white flag app would also recommend that as well um very cool very inclusive um just people helping people on that platform um i really enjoy that one so yeah definitely if you need professional help Find the professional help, Open Path Collective, White Flag, Psychology Today, BetterHelp. Um, you know, ask your insurance provider. A lot of companies now have a, it on their boards at work to your resources for your mental health services. So look at that, see what's available to you in your area. Um, some companies, they do four sessions per issue. If you have a lot of issues, then you could end up with. 16 20 sessions for four or five different things that you want to work through you know there are ways to not work the system but to get the most out of it for yourself so um amanda just as we wrap up here what would be your parting wisdom for for the people for the new parents for the parents transitioning for the parents kind of nervous or you know going through it what would your advice to them be? Your all-encompassing, you know, parting wisdom for them. Yeah, um, my parting wisdom would be to keep in mind that the goal is to be a good enough parent, not a perfect parent, not the best parent. Um, if you think about like what comes to mind, if you were to say, "What is a bad parent?" Like, what are the things that you would say? And then if you think about like, what's a good parent? What are the things that you would say? And then if you kind of took a Venn diagram and looked in the middle or not a Venn diagram, but really just looking in the middle of those two lists and said, all right, well, what about what's a good enough parent and the qualities that fall into that category? That's really what we're going for. Sure. On some days you will be a fantastic, you know, home run parent. And some days you may even have some some behaviors that fall into that bad parent category that you're just not feeling great about. But on average, if you are participating in parenting in your child's lives and you are doing the best that you can and it's falling into that good enough parent category, that is exactly 
what you're going for. And that is what's going to help form that secure attachment with your child. That is what is going to let your child know that they are loved and cared for. And that is what you can kind of hang your hat up on at the end of the day and say, yeah, I totally showed up. I did my best. And tomorrow I'm going to do the the exact same thing. I love it. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. Um, It's been a pleasure chatting with you and just learning. I learned a ton through our conversation today. Uh, Go ahead and tell the people a little bit more about where they can find you um, and then connect with you via social media after they're done listening here. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for having me on today. And my handle is finding your village. And that's where you can find me on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. Um, that's my website, findingyourvillage.com. And then that is also the name of my podcast, which I wrapped up all new episodes in April, but all, um, almost 140 episodes are still out there, um, and available for anyone to listen to. Thank you. That's amazing. So yes, finding your village, um, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, and the website, findingyourvillage.com, as well as Amanda's awesome podcast, finding your village. Um, Apple, Spotify, all the places that you podcast um, for her. Amanda, thank you so much again for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. That episode was a ton of fun. Before we head on out here, First off, thank you for listening. Make sure you like, follow, share. You're on Spotify. Answer the questions. Engage with the poll. Leave five stars. If you're joining us on Apple, a five star and a rating would be amazing. If you're joining us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button. button. Ooh. Like the video, comment, and share with a friend that you love. Any other platform, we're on so many. Make sure you rate, review, comment, and share the podcast with a friend. Also here, make sure you follow us at Young Dad Pod. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Threads as well. The website, of course, ballboymedia.com. And very, very lastly here, make sure you go ahead and head over to the link tree where you can purchase my children's book, A Baseball Game with Dad, for only $10 over on Amazon. Link is in the link tree in the show notes. You'll want to get your copy. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one. One love. Blessings.